Hi, this is Slashers, and I am Coker, and with me today is, of course, Jake and my good friend, Doug Wah. Hi, everybody, it's Slashers. I love that you pronounce Doug's name. I noticed this on the last episode you guys did on Winter Beast. It's Doug Wah. It's one word. It's not like there's no break. It sounds like a great onomatopoeia. Like, I imagine somebody's, like, digging a grave, and when they hit, like, the, the casket top, that thud is the wah. So, Doug Wah. <sighs> Yeah, it's funny you said that because my brother, uh, my brother Nick, even though his name's just Nick, we call him Nickwa. My sister calls him Nickwa. Like Nickwa, Nickwa, what's up? What's up, Nickwa? It's it's so weird. And everyone who knows Nick, they just call him Hey Nickwa. What's up, Doug? Your last name like rolls with the wind, like it wafts across the room. The biggest waste of letters ever because it's W A U G H. You don't need the U G H. It's just W A. Should be easy that way. But this way, if you know you ever play Scrabble with loose rules and you can do proper nouns, you get a couple extra letters out of it, some more points. Gets you closer to a triple word score, bitch. Yeah, I remember words with friends. Uh, my, oh my last God. name never came up. So <laughs> I remember I had what was it, Scramble, where it's kind of like Boggle or whatever, and it has all the the letters in there. I remember one mm-hmm. time it had cunt spelled perfectly, <laughs> and so I had to try. I knew I was going to waste a second, but you know. I'm, Fighting the clock, but I couldn't not. And sure enough, it didn't let me have the points. I was like, that's that's unfair. It didn't let you have that? Oh, um, man. Well, speaking of cunt, that, that's kind of funny. <laughs> the yeah, best I segue. Remember, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, uh, in, in high school, we had a... Remember the movie in the movie Roots? Or it was the series Roots? Yeah, with Kunta Kinte. Yeah, yeah I love... See, it was Kunta Kinte, and I remember I got in trouble because I was doing a, a, no. a report on, uh, on Kunta Kinte. I'm like, and Kunta Kinte. And like, what? It's not Kunta Kinte. I'm like, it's a, it's, a, it's a Rhode Island dialect, maybe. I don't know. So Douglas. I, just a, I know. Tisk tisk tisk. Hug. That's the reading uh, rainbow guy you're making fun of. Hey, it did pre- actually Roots Volume Two. That I still remember that Roots Volume Two. That was a crazy movie. When people ask me like what what crazy movies you remember, I'm like Roots Volume Two. That VHS tape always stuck with me. Yeah, I, I be honest, I've never actually seen it. I've just seen the scene that everybody refers to. So uh, I, yeah, if I, I have to. if I misattributed who that is, I'm sorry. I'm not racist. I'm a big fan of LeVar Burton, but I ha- I'm also a big fan of the Dave Chappelle sketch. Where he makes fun of it, <laughs> where he has the backpack, he turns around. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's a fellow show. You know how people are always like, you couldn't make it in 2021 because people are too. Shut up. You could make that show today. I think people would still like it. Yeah. This just has to be in the right context. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, in the right context, context is a time. Dave Chappelle's show was a time. And I believe that overlaps somewhat with. The movie we're doing this week, right? Chappelle's mm-hmm. show. When did that come out? Well, the, I think the first season was 2003, and then the second season was 2004, and then they did like the lost episodes or yeah. what they shot for season three in like 2006, like three years or like two years later. It ended. Uh, the official end date was July 23rd, 2006, just before filming and principal started on this movie. I think so. 30 days of night. I give you. Yes. The, I, I tell you the title. What's the one sentence that shoots into your nog nog? God, no God. Exactly. What about you, Cokes? For me, when I hear thirty days a night, I just think of ravenous, bloodthirsty, weirdo vampires. That's the first thing that pops into my head. So I feel like I was stunned by how good this movie was. Like it's not a perfect movie, but oh no, not at all. Compared to its contemporaries, this area of time was bad. The early 2000s, just bad. The late 2000s, bad. Well, it, it came out in 2007. And I remember 2007 was a crazy time for horror because I think I was freshman in college and I was like excited for this. I was excited for Grindhouse. I was excited for Mike Mendez's Grave Dancers. I was excited for the first Hatchet movie. I saw. I actually saw one of the After Dark Horror Fest films in theaters that year. So for me, that was just a packed year and I loved it. And 30 days a night was right in that October that when I first saw it, I think maybe I was 19 at the time and I liked it back then, but I always felt it it runs itself a little too long, to be honest. It's a big problem. And then I rewatched it again in 2015 and I felt it was a little too boring. Rewatched it a couple days ago in my thirties and a little bit stoned and holy shit, that movie is like top fucking 2000s horror and also a terrific pinnacle of nihilistic survival horror oh yeah for sure 
deeply nihilistic survival horror. Like, oh my God. Well, we we'll get into it, of course, like as we get through the like more narrative elements of the movie. But like you using the word nihilistic is perfect because that's one of the big things I noticed when it, it changed. Because I had read the comic before this, and and you know I was always a fan of the interesting dichotomy where it's like it starts off as a screenplay, nobody wants to make it, becomes mm-hmm. a comic, then it gets adapted. That's what happened with Virus. It's happened with a few other movies, mm-hmm. famously, and so. Like the art style for this is frustrating. If you read the the comic, it's beautiful, but the problem is, is it's a little too artistic for its own good at times, mm-hmm. where you lose some narrative clarity. Like mm-hmm. you know, that's one thing why I will always appreciate like the Marvel method. It's the storytelling. You could take the panels and words out, and you could still very often figure out what's happening. And so this was a little bit, you know, I wasn't the biggest fan, but it was pretty to look at. And this movie, I was kind of expecting the same thing, but then like. Josh Hartnett suddenly was acting. That mm-hmm. was weird. I'd seen him in a bunch yeah. of stuff that he never acted in. Yeah. Jo- Josh Hartnett is actually trying in this movie. Yeah. What do you think, Doug? Oh, I got to say, Josh Hartnett doesn't have his uh, his his official bedhead hair in this one. So, yeah. Like yeah. He had, what was it? Halloween H2O. And in the faculty, too. Yeah. No. Here he's actually an adult. Zeke with the scat. Well, he also wears a beanie and he did it all for the beanie. Come on, the beanie. Come on. So, okay. You could take that inhaler and stick it up your, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, I got to say, like, this movie is on par with, it's not as, no, it's not, I don't want to say it's on par with the thing, but that, that isolation of the cold. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is what, because, yeah, no matter what, if I'm watching the thing during the summer, I, I it, you could feel like just the coldness. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, that's how I felt with this one here. Granted, it was cold because it was officially raining and, LA and you know when it rains it gets cold and people are buildings are blowing up cars are exploding people are running around on fire in this LA traffic rain and it's crazy <laughs> I think that's definitely uh, that the reference to thing I think that having the dogs was very important because it, it was a, a very overt reference but mm-hmm. it wasn't a dependent reference it wasn't the no. whole narrative it was very homage to me what do you guys think they did a good job of treading that line Oh, absolutely. You know, what's funny is like the first 20 minutes of this movie is just like the thing in that sort of isolated Mm -hmm. snowbound dread. Like you see all these little hints of what's coming, the burned cell phones, the murdered dogs, the guy seeing the ship in the water. That's probably how they got here. And it's just all that little creep factor that I really loved. And it really captures that isolation because you know that when half that town leaves for the 30 days a night, you're like, I think they're all kind of fucked. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things that's really interesting, the difference between this and the comic. In the comic, they're all ju- it's very just focused on this is just a town. It doesn't mm-hmm. really get into the ideas of people like kind of going south for the winter and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit different. And then, you know, he and his wife's relationship is a little bit more straightforward. It, it's obviously a little bit more just fair and, and kind of almost flat narratively, mm-hmm. even so much so like the vampires are just kind of boring. And what's really interesting, like you mentioned with the thing, the beginning is very vignette style, almost like when you see the slit wrists and you see what's going on at the camp. Mm-hmm. But what I love is the feeling of you losing the freedom. Like in the thing, it's just they're already stranded for a certain extent. I mean, it gets, exactly. the weather gets worse, but not that much worse. Whereas here, there is that glimmer of hope that you lose. And it always is just so satisfying, right? When you get to kind of feel that vacuum and have it work yeah. well. As soon as that, as soon as it becomes night, you feel as if time no longer exists to them. And it's like it closed them into this bubble. Yeah, absolutely. Should we kind of just get into the, we'll get into the narrative at this, or no, we'll do the, we'll do the intro proper a little bit. Talk about the the stuff. This was produced by Sam Raimi and uh, Mm -hmm. Robert Tapper. The ghost house, the ghost house pictures. Mm -hmm. I, I miss that era. Well, this was, you know, Sam Raimi going back like, hey, you know, Spider-Man was fun, but uh, I fucking hated the third one. Nobody let me make a fourth one. So this is right before like, you know, ghost key and all that shit, skeleton Uh key and dragging people to hell and stuff. So Uh I like that a lot. And I feel like this is when Taper, I don't know how to pronounce it, is like, hey, Xena's gone. I can go back to some guts and stuff. So that felt really Uh nice. It felt like a return to form. And it's also good because this doesn't feel like a big budget film, but it also doesn't feel like a small budget film either. No, no. It, it feels like that movie that a studio would only throw like a couple million dollars at. Yeah. 
And it just, and it, and it works really well. Well, it's crazy to think like how much they stretch when you think about it, when with practical sets and like, obviously it's a lot of day for night and it's a lot of filters and blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. But when you think about what they were able to achieve, it's pretty damn impressive. They're in fucking New Zealand. They don't, that doesn't snow. Yeah. I don't know. It's crazy how they pulled that off. They're in the Shire. God damn it. Douglas. Oh yeah. Well, I'll be honest. Like I wasn't prepared. I, w- I thought it was going to be a different episode. So I'm sitting here like, oh. just fuck around. You're fine. You don't do any research. What What are your impressions? What What's let's what's what one takeaway that you have from David Slade's masterpiece? Did you know that he was a music video director first? Uh, I could kind of tell. This has got that kind of nine inch nails, kind of like that cold vibe that you know, yeah. the early 2000s kind of had. Honestly, like this feels like something like The Descent because The Descent was really good too. Like yeah. these movies that kind of came out, it was like- uh, You know, I got to say something, guys. Everybody thinks that 2000s horror was just torture porn. It absolutely wasn't. Yeah. A lot of 2000s horror was survival horror mixed with either creature or slasher stuff. A lot of it is survival horror, 2000s. The Descent, survival horror. 30 Days of Night Survival Horror, uh, High Tension Survival Horror, Hills Have, or Hills Have Eyes remake Survival Horror. Yeah. That was a big chunk of 2000s horror was just nihilistic survival. Well, I think, wasn't it Saw 4 came out the same month as this? I mean, so that shows you how long in the tooth in the 2000s we already were to the quote-unquote torture porn genre. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that makes it so, so fucking beautiful. The God, no God. Like, because it, it is torture, but it's a different kind of torture. You have somebody who's got like a Machiavellian kind of understanding of how fucked this person is and this scheme that has worked out flawlessly up till this point who has physical power and dominion. But it's not about physical you know, pain. It's about mental pain. It's about taking away hope. Like that was so fun. It was very, you know, like going kind of like Hannibal Lecter or something like that. Maybe it's because the guy who did the music did. 39 episodes of the Hannibal TV show that made that stick in my mm. brain, but I was kind of thinking mm. kind of that realm. What do you think? I honestly, I would also compare this movie to uh, the Hills Have Eyes remake because that is another one where they're completely isolated and there is this other, other humanly force that is surrounding them and killing them. And you feel that sense of nihilism too. Again, nihilistic survival horror films were just a thing of the 2000s. Granted, there were a few fun horror movies like Slither or Shaun of the Dead, but most of them just have that bleak punch, you know? Yeah. And filters. So many of them, their filters just are unnecessary. Here, at least, it looks like this because it's supposed to. And they kind of consistently change it to be indoor, outdoor and stuff. I felt like so many movies, it was like... At the end, as an afterthought, they're like, oh, let me just apply a filter to this entire fucking movie, even if it's indoor, outdoor, day or night. Saw had green light, a green filter. Uh, Hills, Hills, Hills Have Eyes had like a yellowish orange yep. filter. High Tension has this blue filter all over it. It's just every survival horror film of the 2000s had one color filter throughout the whole fucking movie. It's that Nine Inch Nails effect. That's that's what everyone wanted to make it look like a music video. <laughs> Well, it was kind of trendy at the time. I mean, people being able to create, I mean, this dude did the Girls Not Gray video. He won like MTV Music Awards and stuff. So mm-hmm. the, the visuals are great. And it also obviously was drawing on the comic book fairly accurately. There's some changes and stuff, but I feel like the changes were made to add dramatic tension because mm-hmm. the narrative element was necessary. It's kind of lacking because in the comic, it's solely visual storytelling for the most part. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's words, but you don't need any of it. You could kind of tell. If you can decipher what's happening in the panel, you can decipher the story that's going between them. Do you feel like there might be a little bit too much talking uh, looking back at it? Yeah, there was a little bit because, I mean, granted, I was working like all day and then I came home, then we shot some stuff and then and then I'm writing that script, too. So I'm like, I got to watch this here, too. So the last thing you want is more words as you're writing a script, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, uh, this movie earns the word for a little bit of it. And I mentioned it before the blowing Casper Award. So that's where you're okay. sitting down kind of like. You know, where you're nodding, like uh, like when you're in a boring meeting or something like that, you're just nodding back and forth or when you're driving. But that's more dangerous, you know, <laughs> to be honest, I don't feel that Doug in the first half of the movie. I feel that a little bit after the big attack of the from the vampires and after they're hiding for a bit. That's yeah, after they're feel, hiding, yeah, yeah. That's when I feel like the 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 pacing just goes. Yeah, yeah that's not like looking at my watch. I'm like, oh, come on, DVD player, come, let's go a little faster. That's that's where you can cut out maybe a good 10, 15 minutes out. 
I, I, I have the one fix all, I think, for that. You ready mm-hmm. for this? His, his buddy, the Kiwi guy who's got the wife. Why is mm-hmm. the, the name of the character escaping me? Ah, not Bo, not Jake, not Denise. He's, it's Helen, and who's the other guy with Peggy and the girls? Peggy and the girls, whatever. The guy who he finds who killed his family. Take that yeah. out. We already have the guy with the sad story with the family. If we keep the other guy in who's turning into a vampire, the fact he's turning into a vampire means that Eben has a vampire nearby whereupon he could take the blood. You do that, you just saved five minutes flat. And that's a huge amount in an hour and 41 minute movie. Yeah, they could have just had like that Krusty the Clown effect. He's like, my family and just drama queen and just get over it. Clarification, 114 minute movie. It just kind of starts to feel like 141 towards the end. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that's where the movie kind of all all, it always loses me a bit. Every single time I watch it, it has that that like, come on, guys, it's a little long here. Cut it down. Yeah, like don't wear out your welcome because that's one of the things too is you ever listen to an album and it starts off with like four fucking banger songs. You're like, yes. Mm. And then there's nothing until like the last song. You're like, Mm -hmm. I'm just never going to listen to this again. Like in the era of streaming where I could just listen to those four songs or I could just make my playlist. I don't have to even download it off Kazaa. I'm just going to do that. So that's one thing I feel like patience is not its friend. I kind of wish... Man, I, you know, Ben Foster, for those watching, is my background on this. Not a Scientologist, also. Happy to find out. I wish that he was in the movie more. So that's the dude that Aid is crazy for. I Let's <laughs> say so. I like it. So, Aid, you, you like the raw hamburger dude? Okay. Yeah, move aside, Hugh Jackman. We know that Aid's real crush is Ben Foster. Eating that raw hamburger. Yeah, dude. So in order to impress Aid, you got to eat a hot dog and then you got to eat raw meat. <laughs> a raw <laughs> hot dog. A raw, hot a dog. raw dog going back uh, to the old Jake's oldest catchphrase on the show. Raw dog, yeah, and just on a daiquiri of hot dog water. <laughs> oh Jesus! Oh, my Where's God. your chocolate starfish? Is that our uh, second limp biscuit reference? You sick twerp! Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, that's that's good. We should open up a restaurant like the Slashers restaurant. Just name all the <laughs> oh. food like dirty perversions. So. Oh, I hate it so much, but I kind of love it. Now going into. Our favorite performance. Do you guys have a favorite performance or even a favorite story beat from the movie? Honestly, I thought Josh Hartnett, like he he kind of won me over. I liked him. His story was kind of just the everyman almost. So his story is really depressing when you really look at the relationship he has with his wife and his wife is like planning on leaving him and shit. And it, oh, it, it sucks because at the end, you know, you see the ending coming in. You're just like, fuck. I mean, she did want to leave him and she got it. You know, yeah, it's that nihilistic punch, you know, I think that's what's really interesting is that's not in the comic at all. In the comic, she is like his deputy. They're married together. She's not a fire marshal. She doesn't live anywhere else. There's that's not even a whole story element. And I think there's an interesting familiarity and kind of comfort there. Like, you know, she makes a joke because he actually watches that the last sunset with her. And he's like, can I fucking be done? And she goes, not if you ever want to have sex again. And so it's a different dynamic, but I think that like the melancholy of the movie mm. and like it, it reverses that trope of of Hollywood. It always works out in the end. Mm. The guy gets the girl back, blah, blah, blah. But that's not the way life works. Sometimes relationships die. Some, and no. what I also love is they don't vilify either of them. You don't have to. Again, that's the way life is. Nobody has to be a villain. You just don't have to be married anymore. I just, I loved that. I loved how the movie takes that realistic approach at the end of a relationship and it doesn't take the typical bullshit Hollywood petty route by making a good guy and a bad guy. And I was so thankful for that because you go all over media, TV shows, social media, movies, news, everything. It's always like a good guy and a bad guy in a breakup. And honestly, it's suffocating when you really think about it. It's deeply suffocating to everybody. And to see that in the movie was bittersweet. And I kind of loved it. It was very A24. There you go. Coke yeah. added one of your lines. I think that's okay. actually very fair when you think about a lot of the the pacing of those movies and stuff, because a lot of times I'm bored, but then I get back into it because it's pretty looking. Mm-hmm. Also, I think the same could be said for my sex life. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so the screenplay was written by technically three different people. So you have Steve Niles, who did the original which also was doing the comic book and then came back. And it's his story elements per se, Stuart Beatty, Brian Nelson. And then what I thought was really beautiful is the artist, Ben Templesmith. He actually got a writing credit. 
because that's the fluid nature of comic creation is narrative and visual. So a lot of guys don't get the credit, you know, not everybody gets the Jack Kirby treatment, I guess. Well, when I was watching this, I, I completely uh, I didn't realize there was a sequel to this that came out in 2010. Ooh. And there's a and- prequel and there's another series. There were two series that went out on fear.com that are not good per se, but they exist. So they're like the Fright Night remake sequels. Yeah. 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 I I watched half of the second one and I turned it off and I was like, this is, this isn't even a B horror movie. This is like a C horror movie that the studio threw about $2,000 at. Yeah. And that's one of the things is now so much of what they did in this film is after effects. You just, you could do most of this shit at home. I could do the Mm -hmm. chroma key elements. I could do the Mm -hmm. matte painting and put it on the big, whatever factory it is always reminded me of Batman. Remember the big industrial complex where he does the shields up and drops the little bomb ball and drives away and it's like, boom, boom. I don't know why, but the big refinery thing always reminded me of that. Nobody? I, I could see that. I thought maybe a little more like Underworld almost, as weird as it is. Like I always get Underworld vibes. Like when oh, I yeah. see like the kind of the 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 chroma key. The yeah, bluishness. Like the yeah. Yeah. But Underworld, that, that's uh, for me, those are basura. So. Well, I, I agree. And one of the things, too, is look at those movies. They're not set in the Arctic wasteland. They are set mm-hmm. like in metropolitan areas. And so like the blue is very distracting because there's also a whole lot of other things that are reflected blue versus this. It's meant to be darkness. It's meant to be isolated. And also, if you look at the surfaces, like the set dressers did a really fucking good job. Like there isn't chrome everywhere, which would show or be oversaturated or undersaturated. There aren't all these things. It just looks like a lived in uh-huh. world. The only thing that's not lived in, dude, all of their North Face stuff is fucking perfect. Okay. That is Southern California North Face that I have to wear once a season when I have my fucking pumpkin spice or my eggnog latte, one or the other, not two at a time. And your name's Ashley. Ashley was spelled A S H L I E A G H T. You spell it wrong. I mean, you're one of those people that throws the star cucks at the at the start the employees. I can't believe you didn't spell it right. Uh, There you go. You want to know? Here's here's something weird. I just realized 30 days a night. Everyone has this DVD and they don't realize how they got this because I don't remember how I got this. I I just saw it sitting there. I'm like, I don't even remember buying this movie. Joker has it too. And and you said you had it. You're like, oh, I just got it up my Xbox. I remember, uh, guys. I know. I remember how I got mine. I do. Okay. Rare. I know rare that a horror fan remembers how they got their 30 days a night DVD. Yeah. You were sucking dick. The guy didn't have any cash. <laughs> <laughs> Take my 30 days a night DVD. It's like, get well, Okay. <laughs> 30 mouthfuls of guy. No, no. <laughs> that would be the porno. It's just a white girl and 30 black dudes. All like, yes, dude. <laughs> like that meme with the girl on the couch. Uh, with the girl. Yeah. It's like this. Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, I, like I 30 days a night at a Walmart. So. Oh, you got yours at a Walmart. OK, yeah, I was going to say 30 days a night seems to be like, remember when everyone had a Sega Genesis and everyone just had Sonic the Hedgehog and they don't like, I don't remember how I got Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, yeah. Here it is. Or like everyone Duck Hunt. Sonic the Hedgehog. Duck Hunt. Yeah. It's like, so that's how 30 days a night is. You got a DVD player. Yeah, Here's your free copy. Hunt. I knew people who had Duck Hunt who didn't have a fucking zapper. Mm. You know what I, I found out? I, I was reading online Duck Hunt. If you plug in the second controller, you control the duck. I did not know that. Yeah, I just found that out. I was watching some videos. I'm like, Apparently, you didn't know. I, I, I heard Seth Rogen tweet about that. Oh, Coker. Yeah. Your 30 days what? a night internet connection is slowing down. Seriously, I think Ben Foster went to your house and fucked up your reception so that the vampires could get you. You better watch out. Yeah, all I heard was two girls. It, it, get go, go, go. Sounded like you, you were a Cybertronian do. having butt love. You know, so <laughs> hold up, guys. Um, I think we can edit this. I'm gonna hit. Do you want me to hit stop on the video or stop on Audacity? No, just keep uh, going. I just have a recording. Yeah, yeah, just you work to go through pool? it. It's fine. Because if you're, you're recording sure? your okay. Audacity, your Audacity is gonna pick up the audio just fine. And so what we'll do is your okay. your audio track is pristine. It's just what we're hearing. So we'll just overlay it. It'll be fine. Moving. Okay, forward. cool. Just to make sure. We were talking about. Okay, we we're gonna break the fourth wall. We were talking about technical errors. Then Coker ground up a bunch of Enerdron, did a line, and then started masturbating to a hot picture of Hot Rod. It was very disturbing, but he has easy access to his wiener because we're, we're recording with him in a bathrobe. I love it. 
This is the most direct I've ever been on this show. So I think you need to take us to the next talking point. Otherwise, I'm going to start salivating over here. You're wearing your bathrobe, Coker? It's the funniest yes. shit. <laughs> His wife, just when bathroom. we're setting up, she's like, you're not going to wear that. And he's like, no, Jake said that he encouraged me. Like, yeah, I'm a bad influence. It's what I do. Oh, yeah. Just don't start whacking the weasel here. And like, <laughs> don't get us canceled. Welcome okay. To Slasher's podcast. Yeah. Welcome, Welcome to, to Fapper's pod. Yeah, again, so the new uh, thing you say, yeah, this is probably where everyone's perving out. Yeah. Ugh. Okay, guys. Okay, I'll bring it to the next subject. You please do. What did you guys think of the first few um, attacks from the vampires and that wonderful, wonderful shot, that overhead shot of just the main attack from oh, all of them? The GTA, I call it, because that's mm-hmm. the bird's eye view. That's like one of the best parts. Even if you could tell where it's composited and where you know they had took different story elements and put it together and stitched it, it's still great. And there wasn't anything like that at the time. I, I, you know, personally and selfishly, I like that overhead more than I like the Doom, you know, famous FPS shot. You know what I mean? In terms of like, oh, cool, this is something we've never seen. Mm-hmm. I would much rather watch this. Well, was there a shot like that in the comic book? Yeah, actually, there is. So in the comic oh, cool. book, you'll notice Ben Foster's character has an, a Nolan's accent, and they're literally being pursued by a vampire hunter. And well, he's not a humper. He's he, humper. Nice hunter. Vampire humper. God damn <laughs> it, Coker. Will you close that robe? You're giving me the vapors. But, uh, <laughs> so he's a guy who's trying to get photos. And what he's doing is he's instantaneously st- streaming them back to his mom so that even if he gets killed or whatever, the proof still goes back. So you see several shots of his camera going down and looking at it, which I thought was a really cool way of incorporating story, but also, you know, key visual storytelling in a way that wasn't hugely expensive. I don't think it's just a crane, right? Yeah. I mean, this is pre-drone, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Drones are really around. And if they were, they were super fucking expensive. Yeah. That's a good point. Or they might have done a cable rig like the NFL does. Yeah. Or wait, excuse me, the XFL, the XFL is the pioneer of that technology. Don't get it twisted. You all owe Vincent Kennedy McMahon your buttholes. That's okay. I'll just I'll just uh kneel. <laughs> Way to go. Everyone in the NFL oh. pissed. Uh but uh as for my favorite scene, I think it's like <laughs> you showed Oh, the, the, oh okay. How do I introduce Doug Doug? Let me introduce what, this. Let you me introduce it. Let, let me okay. So I'm watching the movie yeah. and the beginning you're establishing the characters and it seems like the vampires just attack the old man. They take Ben Foster. They put him in the cell. And I'm like, okay. And then they, okay, here we go, folks. They immediately cut to, it seems like a factory. And this girl and two guys are walking away. Yep. And the dialogue between the three is pretty much the setup of a fucking Brazzer scene. Oh, yeah. And then, and then I, I'm, I'm sitting there going like, whoa, 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 hold up. What the fuck? And I'm freaking out because it's like, let's face it. I'm not going to get into how progressive I can be on certain things, but let's just say we don't see that type of through that type of uh, trio. Yeah. Yeah. We don't see that type of trio a lot in movies. So when they have that dialogue of all three of them and I'm like, Oh shit, what the, and then the vampire shows up and it's like, well, so much for the browser scene. Yeah. The vampire ruined the DP scene. Pretty much, pretty much guys come back and just watch that scene. (laughs) <laughs> it's a little regressive because like, it kind of goes to the whole like Friday the 13th, like the slutty people die. But at the same point, what? like there's a cheekiness to it. So it, I think mm-hmm. it's it's funny enough to where conservative people aren't puckering their buttholes. But mm-hmm. then it's for fucking weirdo like libtards like us. It's like, yeah, go ahead. Fuck them both at the same time. Fuck one of them with the other one's dick. I don't care. Do what you want to <laughs> yeah. do, girl. And there's a cheekiness to it that feels very much like a browser scene. And yeah. it just like throws you the fuck off and one of them dies and then the other one dies and it's so crazy and a talked about this on the discord it's so crazy how she's like pretty much like really a wild girl and she lives at the end wild thing you make my cocks sing because it's two cocks she's crazy she i it's crazy how like that scene throws you off. The vampire attacks and you're like, okay. And then at the end she lives and you're like, it's, it's rare for a horror film to have that type of a character live, especially with oh, such yeah. a nihilistic 
gory, depressing, dark survival horror. You had her live? All right, cool. Well, see, if I was to direct this at the end, I would be like, you survived? Like, how did you have the stamina to do it? And she pulls out a butt plug and she's like, "Ah, this is how I do it. There we go. It's a butt plug that has a Duracell battery just poking her. So it's like literally giving her the zap. Yeah, it's like my heart rate's 165 every minute. I just had a great idea. You know, like guys are constantly trying to fuck stuff, right? That's just the way that we are. That was one thing that's really unrealistic. You mean to tell me that 15-year-old boy isn't cranking his dick off while they're all trapped up there? What if it was like a situation where this girl was up there and she's like, man, I just got to fuck something. I'm super stressed out. And like all the guys are like, what? You can't talk like that. You're a lady. Look, if you don't fuck me, I'm going to go fuck one of the vampires unprotected and bring it back here. Guys, we're making the porn parody of 30 Days of Night. I don't think it's a parody. I just think it's a, a really interesting movie where the woman has faculties of her vagina and she's like, I will do this. Yeah, don't oh. make me fuck this stapler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, what actually, the fuck? That's, that's in Why did I just <laughs> say yeah? I should never have said oh. yeah. Oh, hold up. I don't want to. Now you're going to do it the so Pervy the Clown way and go, yeah. Well, I mean, like, I think that, you know, I've always wanted a horror movie where it's just like a trans key figure, right? That it's just never addressed. It just is that that person is. Or like a movie where you just have gay characters. Where like Paranorman is a great example. Where it gets to the very end and the kid's brother's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, my boyfriend. And you're like, what? Because that's the way it should be. People should be integrated. And I think that like having a, like a really empowered slut character would be awesome. And I feel like this lady should do it. Like you, I'm on board with this. Let's rewrite I'm the movie, a, yeah. but not as a porn parody. More as a porn homage. Yeah, that makes I've never really heard of porn homage. That's uh yeah. Well, I mean, I guess there's something like that in Cabin Fever, that that chick that's like, I need to fuck something now. Oh yeah, because they both are gonna die and shit. Yeah, yeah. what was okay? What was it with like have you noticed that like two thousands horrors had like really, really slutty brunette characters? Oh yeah. Like, okay, like all the girls in the Black Christmas X or Black Christmas remake, uh, Cabin Fever, 30 Days of Night, uh, the girls on Hatchet. I'm like, because granted, 2000s horror was very, you know what? I'm going to admit it. 2000s horror had a streak of toxic masculinity to it. It did. Oh, yeah. It, it honestly did. And because of that, of course, you had all these extra slutty girls, which almost brought that sort of 80s camp value to it as well. It yeah. was a weird mix. It was a really weird mix of 2000s art. Well, kind of harkens back to like the original Black Christmas with Margot Kidder. Like she's just like, I'm a nasty bitch. And I love mm-hmm. that. And then it, that's kind of like lost on a lot of characters because they don't, like a lot of them have to get a comeuppance. Right. Which obviously mm-hmm. Margot does whatever. But, you know. It's in this movie. One of the things I really, really appreciate is that it is completely devoid of sex when it comes to the vampires. Mm-hmm. The vampires aren't trying to be sexy at all because I fucking nope. hate sexy vampires, and they're not trying to be sexual to the. I don't fuck my sandwiches before I eat them, you know. So I'm obviously not going to fuck this thing before. And so, I, like, I love that when there's this desperation, there's the pleading where they're like pitiful. It's not they're going to be sexually victimized because that's so much of 2000s horror. Yeah, they're kind of like the Mitch McConnell vampires. Like, oh, I'm an angry coming. turtle. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. No, but I, I did the second time I saw this movie. I didn't appreciate the vampires for what they were at the time. I preferred the Bram Stoker's Fright Night style vampire, the good mix of charming, seductive, and straight up monster. And I still prefer those types of vampires. But what I appreciate now is how. These vampires in these movies are pretty much take nightmare fuel and like a weird animal tribe that just has their own culture and their own language and they perform like a siege type of animals. And I really appreciated that this time. Yeah, that's actually something that's unique to the movie as well compared to the book. The book doesn't really? have the vampire language. They're speaking very openly to each other and even oh, antagonizing wow. each other. Um and so I like, I very much like the vampire language. Apparently it was developed at University of Auckland because they were in the Southern Hemisphere in the New Zealands. But mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. I heard people say that this movie does for vampires what 28 Days Later does to zombies, where it's a more feral, more violent, more aggressive. Um, and I think that's a fair summation. I actually think I probably like yeah. this more than 28 Days Later just because I haven't rewatched it even though you get to see peen in that movie, which I'm a big fan of. What are some other movies? You know, there isn't. Now, let me say, yeah. there is not enough peen in horror films. There isn't. And, and we need more peen. doesn't always have to be funny. You know? Have you seen Greasy have have... Strangler? Okay, that that was a big play to peen. 
Okay. <laughs> but we need our peen processed a little bit, you know? Well, and think of the creatures from The Descent are more like a feral monster person. Mm-hmm. Dawn of the Dead had it. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Um, Feast. Feast. I, you guys I, don't remember Feast? I remember Sloppy Seconds. No, no. Feast, Feast, that too. like Project Greenlight monsters in the desert attacking the bar movie. It came out 2007 also. 2005, you lying hooker. It's on Tubi. I know what I'm watching tonight. <laughs> oh, I've seen this. This is the one that the beast looks like the suckling. Why does every yes. monster look like the suckling for me lately? Yeah, well, <laughs> the suckling, that's another good, that's another deep cut you get, we got to do. Yeah. Um, it's funny, like when we were, I, I was, Yahira came in, like when I was watching this yesterday and when the vampires were doing their, um, their dialogue, like their language, uh, she was like, what are they saying? I said, oh, they're speaking vampire. And she's like, oh, I thought they were cold and they were just kind of chattering their teeth together. Oh, those are desert vampires. They're on vacation. How about the next one? Do you remember what, which is the movie? I still know what you did last summer where there's like a hurricane at like a resort. I want to see these motherfuckers at a, at a hurricane resort where they could just walk around with like a lay and, and a floral shirt on looking like Magnum P.I. What do you think? Oh, I'd love that. It's like Jack Frost 2 all over again. Mm. That'd be a lot of fun. I'm down for tropical vampires. There we go. But, but what do they do about the sun, though? Or are, the, are these the vampires like in Gremlins 2 where it's like, ah, genetic sunblock? No, no, yes. it's the hurricane that they're having oh, the, to deal with. So it's keeping oh, okay. the sun blocked. Oh, that'll be it. I'm out down for that. Like a oh, rain like, season get hurricane, but vampire. Oh, okay. Yeah, man. I planned this shit out, bitch. And then <laughs> yeah, better than me. I'm, I'm like, uh, my, my notes. <laughs> it gets to be a crutch, doesn't it? I, I'm all cocksure and full of vinegar because I just successfully performed a completely improv episode. So I don't even need a note, even though that episode, now that I'm saying it out loud, was hugely dependent on other people's notes. And they're really bad two sentence stories. Check that out. Key points from the movie, key visuals, key anything. Yeah, I, guys, I was going to say the decapitations in this one are very brutal. Yeah. It's, Do that it's, axe to Billy's neck or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps and it's it's a good symbolization of the sort of brutality of 2000s horror, too. Yeah. Whereas I felt like a lot of 2010s horror did have moments of brutality, but it didn't like go overboard with it. Whereas 2000s horror just goes head first into brutality. Well, well that early 2000s, I felt like that was kind of like a repercussion of like the war and then, you know, September mm-hmm. 11th and all that stuff. So it was kind of just everyone's kind of pent-up regression yeah how do you shock people who are constantly reminded of you know terrorism and death and it's never forgetting and it's like okay fine mm-hmm. fuck if you want me to up the stakes i will but mm-hmm. it, it was a response to all that especially another great example to that is hills have eyes hills have eyes remake is a big response to iraq mm. What's well, very on brand for Wes Craven too. So mm-hmm. true to yeah, form. that's one of the few remakes where it's like I prefer. Uh, I don't know because you know, I love no, the original no, no, Hills no, no, of Ice too. Uh-huh. Every podcast I listen to, everybody's admitting that they like it over the original. It's okay to admit that you like it over the original. Uh, I like but, it over the original, but I do like the original a lot. Uh, you know, just because I don't know. I just, I just think it's 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 creepy for what. It, well, actually, I like Hills of Ice Part Two, the original. With the dog flashback? With the dog flashback. God damn it. Because they go in a, uh, the refrigerator to hell. Remember the refrigerator That's the one where Mike Berryman has the fucking headband with a horn, right? Yeah, yeah. Fuck oh. yeah, dude. Looks like an extra from Conan the Barbarian. Make sure to tune into that two-sentence horror episode because I, get, I go on a riff about Gary Coleman and Wilt Chamberlain switching places. Oh. Wouldn't that be great? But, <laughs> I'd love to see that. So fucking good. What you talk about, Conan? Gary Coleman's dead now, though, isn't he? Yeah, it was so sad. They had to bury him in one of his name brand freezer boxes. Uh, <laughs> Coolers. <laughs> you, know, you know what Gary Coleman kind of lives on besides what you're talking about, Willis? Postal 2. Anyone played Postal 2, the PC game? Is he a playable character? He he's the boss. He, no, <laughs> in the game, yeah, in the game, you're supposed to go get a signature from his book. And then when he you don't do what he says, uh, he pulls out an M16, starts shooting up the mall. Like oh, and he goes, no. and he's impossible to kill. Bro. And he's throwing grenades at the police and oh. stuff. That makes me think of State of Emergency. Did you guys play that shitty Rockstar game back in the day? I remember. I never played it. Though. It's basically school it. shooter the game. Like you just, it, there isn't a school setting, but it's like go to a mall and kill everyone. Uh, it's really bad, but we used to play it a lot just because we were That's dumb That's PS2, kids. right? Yeah, Xbox, PS2, and 
I used to get this like uh, medieval sword and just chop people up. Kind of like oh a, my god! Think about like the the kind of like bouncy physics of backyard wrestling with the juggalo people. That was a that was a time to be alive, guys. Oh, juggalo people! The people that always smelled like poop. Poop Julie and Junko jeans. I remember that. Oh, I, so, we're going to uh, do it one day on this show. We're going to do oh. American Juggalo one and two because I stand by mm. it. The first one is very much a horror film. Whoa, wow. Whoa, wow. Well, weren't Juggalo, you know, weren't Juggalos considered terrorists at one point? I think so. Yeah, they were like some sort of manifesto. But they started off as a fucking church talent show. I'm not kidding. That's Doing real the Stations f- of the Cross. Yeah, something like that. Maybe Presbyteria stints pasta whatever that's why they don't know how magnets work because they denounce science in, in favor of our lord fago Ugh, i can smell it from here anywho's was anybody else trying to bring it back the blood flavored fago here on 30 days of night what if wait, what if this cooker <laughs> shut up shut up don't you interrupt me what this is my goddamn show i want you to imagine this scenario i want you to say oh god and i will i will play the part of marlo as a juggalo ready go Oh, God. Oh, God. God? No, God. Fago. Whoop, whoop. And then he kills her. <laughs> oh. see if it, if it's so many well, different versions of this movie. Yeah, but see if they did it like in the down south and he said, God, no, God. And, uh, you know, he starts speaking his language. He's like, we speak American in America. And then the racist person dies. <laughs> oh, man. I saw a sad video where a dude with a, or an open carry. He got, yeah, anyway, police brutality is the thing. We're glad we don't have to worry about it so much in this movie because everybody. Oh, no, wait, we do because he just shoots a guy. That's fun. In the comic, they just fucking kill the guy. So that's neat. All right. So, Mr. Coker, would you would you get would you upgrade this to the Blu-ray? I, you know, honestly, I've never seen a Blu-ray for this movie. I I don't know. I've, everybody has the DVD. I don't even know if a Blu-ray exists. Yeah. And then you go to like your uncle's house or something. He has the 30 days a night is like a holding up the tabletop because one of the legs is loose. So they just have a ton of the I'm like, it's just everywhere. It's just everywhere. I think my pussy's screaming downstairs. You still you screaming. Do you do you still uh, you still have a problem with El Gato, Doug? No, El Gato's fine. El Gato runs out when she wants, but she goes out prostituting a lot. Oh. So sometimes I come home, she screams she's like, yeah. and she goes out. And uh, when Romina came to visit, because it's technically, you know, my sister-in-law's cat, um, she, uh, it, she's like, oh, I'm so happy to see you because she was in South Korea for so long. And the cat's like, meh, give me food. And then it goes out and prostitutes more. And then it comes back at night. It wasn't. And she's like, this cat is horrible. So Romina's like a pimp in this scenario? Romina's supposed to be like the mom to the cat. Okay. Yeah. Our cat's name is Poopa The den mother. The den mother. But Poopa Puta doesn't care about anyone but herself. In fact, a Coker, what's the theme song I have when you see Poopa Puta? Oh, it's a story. I wanted to bring it back to 30 Days and Night, guys. But the story is not Berry Farm had this puppet show where these two cats in like vests and top hats and canes are dancing, but they're going, Me gusta, me gusta, me gusta, me gusta, me gusta, me gusta. And they're just repeating, Me gusta, me gusta. So Doug would repeat that to Yahira all the time and annoy her. And she'll be like, Doug, stop it. And then I joined in and we would both just, Me gusta, me gusta her. And she'll be like, yes, ah! you know. So we would we would put top hats on and dance with the cane. So you'd be like gusta, double gusta. penetrating her with Me gusta. This feels like the Brazzer scenes all over again. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no. I, Pupa Puta is uh, the sister sister theme. Pupa. So every time I see the cat, it's Poopa. Poopa, and the neighbors think I'm fucking crazy. Like the guy who just moved in across from us, he just he just stares at me. He's like, "Hi, how's it going?" I'm like, "Because I always open the garage and I'm saying something ridiculous." So I was like, "Poopa, Poopa," and he just stares at me. <laughs> what the fuck? I love it. Oh, okay. Back to Thirty Days a Night, and guys. Some, I uh, wanted to say, was one of your guys's problems with Thirty Days a Night that when the vampire starts screaming, it's scary, but like. About 40 minutes in, you're just like, okay, I get it. You guys are screaming again. You know, <laughs> I feel like sound mixing is is one of the weaker points of the movie at points. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no musical hook, which, you know, that, that's something that I've been getting harping on a lot lately is that like, you know, a repetitious something, a button, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's a lot more ambient kind of tones and stuff. Like if you had told me that uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus, whoever had done the thing for this, I'm like, ah, whatever, I could believe it. But I feel like that would help. And also, like, the 
baseiness is kind of lost, which I know that like, you know, when you're out in the snow, that timbers kind of like that crunchy high registers mm-hmm. out there. But I think there is a certain degree where like, so, like, especially like breathing and those elements could be a lot more severe. So I, yeah, it relies on silence too much. I think that's fair. Especially like when they're up there, they're breathing so heavily, they're moving on the floorboards and you hear them so much in that quiet scene. It's like almost inevitable they would be heard. Um, and they also don't add the caveat in any way, like in the comic, they uh, vampires openly admit, well, we can't smell you very well because of how cold it is. And so in this, I feel like having those bassier tones and stuff like that would distinguish it from the screeching, but also it, it would add a certain element of pace and rhythm and, and, and dynamism. Like when you're running and it goes, boom, 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 boom. It's way more intense than simply just like tiptoeing because a lot of this mm-hmm. is, is tiptoeing away, not running away. Yeah, well, I, I kind of I, maybe I'm the odd man out, but I kind of like the ambience because I feel like ambience with snow and cold just fits. You know what I mean? Like it just it, I, you think it, it fits. It works with the isolation. It, it, well, it reminds me of Ohio. You know, Ohio was like bitter cold, like most of the time. And it was snowy. And I just feel like ambience like that when you're walking by yourself in like a, a snowy street and there's nothing but like uh, street lights out. You know what I mean? It's just that ambience that kind of settles. So I think they got that right. But. You know what they say, never mix alcohol and ambience because it'll make you say racist things on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to oh. do that. You'll get duct taped to the seat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> How many people made that goddamn excuse? Oh, it's not my fault. My name is Roseanne. It's not my fault. I was on ambient at the time. Yeah, Ooh. it was on ambient. Yeah. I, I've never seen a self-destruction over overnight before. And I saw and I saw it. Well, she's done it multiple times. Remember when she grabbed her pussy and did the Star Spangled Banner or whatever? Oh, yeah. Well, her career like, wasn't destroyed, though. Nah, but people, that was like, yeah, you're right. But if you did it in 2021, you get canceled so fast, right? You couldn't make Roseanne today. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, honestly, I think Roseanne's one of the best sitcoms, like the 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 earlier ones. But um, yeah, I, I got to admit, off the off rails here. The new show is fucking depressing. My wife watched five episodes and she was like, I'm done. Yeah, it's it's just it's one, that before one she died after the other. Huh? They kill her character off, right? Yeah. So that was when she was still alive. That it was depressing. Too? No, 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 no. Uh, the Connors, the show that's after Roseanne. Oh, OK, died. she said she got five episodes and she was like, this isn't even funny. It's just depressing thing after depressing thing. And she was out and I was like, I agree. I don't know what the fuck the writers are turning this into, but I don't think anybody's really a fan. Is that show still going? It still is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe I was wrong. Yeah. John Goodman lost a lot of weight. I'm hoping they're not going to give that character cancer or something to keep up, but he was on the righteous gemstones, which I know was off topic, but goddamn, it's a good show. There's a dick in every episode. <laughs> okay. We, we get the peen. Well, John Goodman dies in the, uh, in season eight of Roseanne. Mm-hmm. What? If you want to go canon. Which, yeah. Which... He has a heart attack and that was the end oh, of the show. Shit. Yeah. So how like, did they oh, get Dan him back? Died. Well, they made a hook. They're like, oh, Roseanne, because uh, she won the lottery in the eighth season. So they get like this house and every, you know, this fancy house. And they and then they kind of recoup themselves and like, oh, it was all just Roseanne writing her story in her broom closet. So Dan never really had a heart attack. She was just wishful thinking. That's sad. Yeah. I'm that's like, that's how they that? retconned that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, yeah, Dan dies twice if they're going to make him die again. Oof. All right. Well, all right. Guys, I wanted to uh, ask you uh, something, Jake. When did the comic come out? The comic came out in 2002. 2002. Okay, then. Never mind. Because I was going to say, what would happen if they made this in the 90s? Well, the art style does kind of, I mean, this really owes itself a lot to the crow and and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. The dark artistry. Also, like some swearing in it that's like needless swearing. Like even like there's concept art. It's like I went to Barrow, Alaska, and all I got was the shitty shirt. Um, It Mm -hmm. was very... You know, 90s. hot topic. Exactly. Like, I'm doing this because I couldn't do this before. You're, you know, like you think about like mainstream comics, you have the Comics Code Authority, like Morbius, the living vampire. Why is mm-hmm. he called the living vampire? Because you couldn't have dead vampires because the Comics Code Authority because of the revelry against EC comics back in the day. So mm-hmm. your, your Jared Leto is only a science vampire because they were trying to get around a loophole in a self-destructive censorship scheme. And so the independent comic, which has always had like a very important role, without independent comics, you don't get stuff like Ninja Turtles. So there's a lot to it. And so I think that this movie in the 90s would have probably, going by the statistics, probably would have been worse. 
but there could have okay. been a good version of it. I just don't think that's the one that you would get nine times out of ten, if that makes sense. Yeah, I see. Like, if, the, if this came out in the nineties, you'd probably hear like "Don't go chasing waterfalls" oh, like yeah. the soundtrack yeah. and stuff. Yeah, right. And then people would have like that. That um, oh, I think it's the worst looking uh, thing. What, what did Sydney? No, not Sydney. Who was it? Um, Scream Three. Uh, the Courtney worst Cox with bangs. the bangs. Courtney, like everyone oh. looked like that. <laughs> oh, but here, check this out. So you say. Do the thing that the the desperate girl does, where she's pleading to the vampire. Coker, you do it. Oh, where she's like, I did what you asked. They didn't come out, and the vampires. <laughs> are, that's a brutal scene. I got to admit, that's a really no. I'm doing this part where he goes scene. instead of no god, he goes bop, <laughs> and then the background vampires like dip it down, bop, and then they're like run it. Oh yeah, <laughs> well, that's the nineties we'll version of this movie. If the vampires were were self aware now, they're like God. Or whatever you believe in, I don't mean to offend. Uh, <laughs> no, nothing uh, to believe in. Nothing. Non-denominational no, I- sky creature. <laughs> yeah, uh, guys, I just had a really another question. One more final thing about Thirty Days a Night, and that is, how come horror fans never really talk about this movie? Because I feel like it's just a, a lowest common denominator where, like, everybody's seen it. Like, my wife had seen it, and she doesn't even like horror movies and stuff. And I know everybody has. It, it's one of those movies that has like moments of greatness that make it memorable. Mm-hmm. But as a whole, like you're just not really going to talk about it a lot. Like there are like the four scenes I think are really good. I think it's really, really well paced in the beginning. Ben Foster fucking kills it. The vampires are great, but like it's just a lot of dead air. And I feel like be, if if they had tightened this up to be like that 90 minute Think that this is like one of those like all killer no filler movies. What about yeah, you, this Doug? would be like near dark. It, it, near dark is one of my favorite vampire ones so far. After rewatching that, I, if it was cut down a lot, I think it could totally hit that mark. But like mm-hmm. you said, I to to fill in on your question, Coker, about the whole uh, why, why horror fans don't talk about it. This is like days of our lives. People know about it. People might have seen it on their sick days when they stayed home from school, and they're like, oh, I guess days of our lives is on. But you know what I mean. People don't. Remember, I, I don't see any T-shirts. Fright Rags doesn't do shirts, you know, gutter. No, guard. yeah, I never it's, see anything it's really it. ignored, you know. I see more fucking shit for 13 Ghosts than I do 30 Days of Night. Which is like crazy, because 13 Ghosts went for a fucking decade where nobody said shit about it, and I had to look like an asshole, and people would be like, oh, that's the movie with ghost tits? And now people are like, oh, I love that movie. Did you know it's a remake? And oh, I saw this, and I made tarot cards of them. Fuck off. Yeah, well, that's it. the same with that House of Wax remake that came out where they kill Paris Hilton. Yeah, yeah, that's people hot. are now starting to like that movie. Like, yeah, that's a good movie. I always thought it was a good movie, but I wasn't. You know what? At the time. I, I got to admit, I miss the Dark Castle era of film. House on Haunted Hill, Thirteen Ghosts, Gothica. Uh, oh, what else? Uh, House of Wax. That little line from Warner Bros. was really fun. I think the movie The Eye killed it. With I was just Alba. about to say that because, yeah. like, I always remember because oh, the poster for The Eye and the poster for Gothica, I remember being like, "Oh, this is the same thing. It's a woman staring out of a window, and it's blue." And one of them killed it, and one of them didn't. But also, to Jessica Alba's credit, she was just in bad superhero movies. She didn't make the worst superhero movie with Catwoman, a la High Heel Whip Lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, well. They figure the high heel whip lady with a plastic whip would sell. You know what they should do? I I I told Coker this. A superhero movie I would go to see would be Heavy Flow. Be a big heavy set woman who's on her period and shoots period blood. Okay, I'm into it. There's a there's a, a superhero team called the Great Lakes Avengers, and they have a giant, morbidly obese woman who I believe is just named Big Bertha, and her <laughs> ability is just being big. But I mean, uh, just involve her vagina and menstruation, and I'm into it. Well, that would be good because, yeah, I was telling because um, one of my other jobs I do. So I do like this coaching thing where um, it's like for birthday parties and stuff, but for laser tag. And then there's like other stuff in there. There's like escape rooms. And so my little shtick of it is I, I'm given the safety instructions. I'm like, OK, when you run, don't bash each other in the face. I don't want to see any anyone end up on live leak with heads bashed open because it is dark in there. And then my shtick is like, all right, who's the birthday person? And since there's three games, I have to say, okay, if you had a superpower, what would it be? And, you know, I get the same thing all the time, like invisibility, able to do my homework without doing my homework. But this one kid, he turned to me and I was like, ready, like everyone's ready to start the game. He's like, if I had a superpower, I know know where this is going. Yeah, I told you the story. I 
and and I was literally sitting there, like I felt like Krusty the Con, just like I'm like, you know, I should just be sitting here smoking. I'm like, kid, what the fuck are you Get saying? Get on with it. And yeah. he, he, like he it. and he tell he goes on this. He's like, I read about these uh, chameleon uh, lizards, and if I had a superpower, I'd want to do what the lizards do. I would hold in my face, and I would break every blood vessel in my nose and shoot blood <laughs> yeah. out of my eye sockets. The thorny that's dragons, yeah. Do. Yeah, they they shoot blood out of their eyes to to fight off uh, people. And I'm like, so you want to shoot blood out of your eyes, kid? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's a great. <laughs> at kid. least he, he re- yeah, at least he knew his uh, his books. I did so. an improv character once. It was manstration, and it was a superhero who shot blood out of his crotch to kill bad guys. <laughs> and like, I'd spray it on the floor, and people would slip in it and stuff. It was good times. We could make that into a movie. Yeah, and he carries around a yellow um, caution bloody floor. So the yellow triangle thing. <laughs> well, and then when he uh, when his alter ego, let's add this, he is like a Colonel Sanders type. And so mm-hmm. he just takes like the, the fake hair wig that's just made out of cotton balls and just shoves it up there. So it's uh, not a heavy flow day. Uh, I'd hate to sit in that uh, seat when he's done with his work. I love this. Aid's really going to enjoy Lizzie. Our female audience is not going to feel alienated at all when we're talking no, about bloody dicks. That's what we're talking about here. Speak. Speaking of which, um, and speaking of Aid, I know Aid wanted to record a little blurb for this episode, mm-hmm. too, because the movie means a lot to her, too. And she's a big fan of Ben Foster. There we go. So let's cue it up now. Hey, all you mutant goons. Aid here. And I just wanted to give my two cents on a great film, 30 Days of Night. I'm so sad I could not record with the guys that day, but my girlfriend turned 40, so I had to make sure that we took her out in style. Happy birthday, Jackie. So 30 Days of Night is actually one of my favorite vampire films, and it's super, super dark. And it's probably one of my favorites because of that, especially with the monsters or the the vampires. They're just so horrific. They're so scary. They're so gross looking. And they're not the kind of gross looking where they're garish, like in From Dusk Till Dawn or, you know, even Fright Night, things like that, right? So they're more like these creatures. That's why I call them monsters. And they're scary to the point where you don't want to become one of these creatures, right? Because in most vampire movies, like, you know, for lack of a better example, Twilight, or even with Near Dark or The Lost Boys, like the vampire, well, maybe not Near Dark, but the vampires are emulated, right? So like you look at them and you want to become them and they become something special. Unfortunately, with these types of vampires, like it looks like that they have this dismal type life and they are only secluded to the dark and they have to go to this awful climate (laughs) to get these people. And the characters are really fleshed out. Uh, Ben Foster is one of his best performances by far. And honestly, like, I don't think he gets enough love and it's really sad because in pretty much every movie that he's in, every character he plays, he does such a great job at playing these icky, disgusting, gross characters and you just become engrossed by him. Right. And then, of course, we have Josh Hartnett, who's absolutely adorable in this movie. And, you know, you really become attached to these poor characters and their their fate is just, you know, so grisly, like the ending. And, and, you know, even when when one of the characters, when he loses his wife and he's trying to hang on to her, it's just so sad. Right. And uh, I feel really bad for these people. So. One of the best shots in the film was the overhead point of view shot where you just basically saw everyone getting ravaged from above and the red blood against the stark white snow. Like, I don't know. It's just such a beautiful image. It's terrifying and scary at the same time, but also like really beautiful. I don't know. There's no other word I can use for that, I guess. So that's just my two cents. A couple of minutes of my, my, uh, my beautiful voice. I know you missed me this week. Also, if you guys are looking for a last minute stocking stuffer, then go ahead and head on over to amazon.com for my book, Last Call, A Toxic Love Story, and get it for that special someone. There's a lot of great cheese me in there. <laughs> so anyways, I hope you guys have a fabulous rest of your year. And here's to 2022. Goodbye and good die. And that was Adrian telling us her gripping, thrilling thoughts on 30 Days of Night. Now, she is a woman who uh, helps greatly in the administration of the Redbubble site. And usually, if it were her, I'd go, hey, something, something, could you buy a shirt with slashers? And she'd go, yes, you can at redbubbleslashers.com. And she'd get the URL right. So we miss Aid. We'll have her on an episode soon. Now, Doug, 
let's say I wanted more Doug and less Jake rambling. How would I go about doing that? Well, you could go ahead and turn on your Roku's and fan your nuts to B Movie TV. Uh, we have Friday Night Action at uh, 8 p.m., so I'm on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't done a new episode for a few weeks because I've been super fucking busy writing a movie and getting ready to shoot on this Sunday. So a new one should be coming out maybe before December. And then Jake still has his Saturday Night Terrors at 10 p.m., mm-hmm. which you could watch him. And then Yahira does her segments as well, too. She's going to be doing it maybe like one episode a month. Uh, just because she realized, she's like, holy shit, this is a lot of work, and she works yeah. so much too. So it's crazy. I I've still have I've still not been spoken to by the producer of the show, so I don't know where that's at. But hey, I still love it. I think he sent you a movie. Another he's one. Like, he's like, yeah, he's like, oh, when Jake sends it, that's fine. I'll, I'll get it. So I'm like, oh, no, that, that's the one, one I sent to, to Yahira. So anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. It's we all got good. Excel spreadsheets. Yeah, I don't. I, we'll figure it out. Either way, you should still watch B-Movie TV because it's fucking great. Coker, do you have anything to plug? Yeah, uh, Horrible Imaginings Film Festival. We are taking submissions right now on Film Freeway. So if you're an indie horror filmmaker and you would like to showcase your film, that we usually show the film festival at the Frida Cinema in downtown Santa Ana. Just submit. I think we're still doing our early bird uh, submission fees, which are really cheap. Uh, Check that out if you're an indie filmmaker. Horrible Imaginings Film Festival on filmfreeway.com. There we go. And with that, uh, Coker, you intro, so you have to outro. Okay. This is Slasher's Podcast. I am Coker. Jake. That's I'm Jake. I don't usually say who I am. I, we usually speak for the others. Uh, go ahead. I'm, changing, yeah, that's, I'm changing it up. Yeah, You're that's all good. Saying that, that, goodbye here. Me that's guard. Jake. Say hi. Hi, Jake. Hi. Goodbye. Hi. And I'm El Dublita. So. <laughs> this, is, this is Slasher's. Goodbye and good die. Did you already smoke some of your hashish?